baseball. Baseball! 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 We are back after a week off, and I must say, I feel so refreshed, you wouldn't even believe. Happy belated 4th of July to all of you out there. Happy World UFO Day. And oh, happy International Kissing Day. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but it's a thing, apparently. We are back just in time to cover, quite possibly, one of the most boring, least relevant events in all of baseball. The All-Star Break. Yeah, 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 yeah. It determines home field advantage and blah, 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 whatever. Let's be real here. It's lame. So this week, instead of cramming your noggin full of fast, fun facts and sabermetrics, we are going to celebrate just how ridiculous MLB's All-Star Break actually is. I am your host, Jeff Besselman, and you are listening to the only piece of sports programming on all of the net which is less consequential than the All-Star Game. This is Rounding Third. There is one piece of real breaking news about the All-Star Game, which I must talk about. And then we'll get into the real stuff. No, this isn't A-Rod's absence, or until this morning, Kershaw snub. Oh, no. Folks, Ariana Grande will not be singing the national anthem at the All-Star Game. What? This is is actually a really strange story, so hold on to your bats. Ariana Grande is a female vocalist who you may know from her current hit, Bang Bang Into The Room, Bang Bang All Over You. Yeah, that's right. She was scheduled to perform in the post-All-Star Game concert until, uh, get this, until a video was released this week of her standing in a donut shop and saying, What the f*** is that? I hate Americans. I hate America. That's disgusting. So, given that baseball is America's pastime, that didn't go over very well. Oh, what also happened was, she licked a donut. Who licks a donut if you're not gonna buy it? You are in a donut shop, and you lick a random donut on the rack. Come on! Where it gets weirder is her response. To see the full thing, check out TMZ.com. Miss Grande said something to the extent of, uh, what I said was taken out of context. What I really meant was, we should be more educated about, uh, childhood obesity. Yeah, um, taking a quote out of context would be someone using the clip of me quoting her saying, I hate America, in a radio ad when I run for president. And then the whole childhood obesity claim? Whatever. But according to her publicist, Grande's reasoning for backing out of the postgame show has nothing to do with what she said in Donut Land, but is in fact due to the need for sudden oral surgery. While these reports have been unconfirmed, 
Rumor has it that sudden oral surgery might literally mean pulling her foot out of her mouth. So now, instead of being serenaded by Grande, the All-Star Game attendees will get to hear the national anthem sung by Ciara, and we'll see Demi Lovato perform in the concert afterwards. In honor of Independence Day, we're going to give America a little birthday present this week. What does America love more than Ariana Grande, donuts, and cat videos? List! So here you are, America. The top 10 most ridiculous headlines about the All-Star Game we've seen in print this week. Coming in at number 10... The Massachusetts Department of Transportation urges drivers to vote Xander Bogarts to the All-Star Game. Hmm. I wonder how many drivers tried to get out of tickets for texting by telling the cops they were just tweeting hashtag X for ASG. Moving on to number 9. MLB reveals umpires for 2015 All-Star Game. Woohoo! Yes! That's right. People care so little about what will actually be happening during the game that the pre-selection of umpires is newsworthy. Oh, and spoiler alert, you probably have never heard of any of them. Numero Ocho. A-Rod wouldn't turn All-Star Game into a circus. It already is one. So I guess it's worth noting again that A-Rod wasn't invited to the tea party because people actually have to like you. Dun-dun-dun, dun-dun-dun. Number seven, road closures during all-star game events. Whoo! That one sounds like a doozy. Too bad I don't have more words in my uh, word budget to go into more details. Um, yeah, roads closed. Number six, sex trafficking is expected to spike during the MLB all-star game. Hmm. I wonder if Subway and Jared is sponsoring that part of the week. Too soon? Moving on, number five. Oh, Jesus Christ. Pete Rose? Pete Rose hopes to meet Commissioner Manfred at All-Star Game. Is open to almost anything. Damn it, Pete. It was doing almost anything that got you in trouble to begin with. Come on, man. Number four. Per now. Play later. Joe DiMiaggio, Daryl Pawberry, Jose Catseco, and all other felines play on Hallmark Channel's first Paw Star game. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot make this stuff up. You know what the biggest difference will be between this and the Puppy Bowl? A captive audience. Number three, AJ Burnett wants to wear Batman cleats for first All-Star game appearance. Okay, folks, let's be honest. I'm sure lots of players want to do all sorts of weird things, just many of them won't admit it. Number two, the runner-up, MLB's rules make the All-Star game awkwardly meaningful. Oh, meaningful. That word may not be the most accurate descriptor of the shenanigans. And finally, the number one on our list of headlines written this week. MLB All-Star Game, each team's worst All-Star selections ever. So if the hacking scandal hadn't been resolved last week, this story could just be a biography about Omar Infante. There is 
one part of the All-Star break, which is admittedly kind of cool, and that's the Home Run Derby. You know, I remember back to when I was a little tyke, and I came home from school and there were black and white reruns on TV when it actually used to be a show. Classic matchups like Aaron versus Mays. Oh, yes. I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, that's all over now, and thank you MLB for changing it up for the good. No longer do we have to listen to Chris Berman force-feed nicknames down our throats, and also, we don't have to hear the overused phrase of back, 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 the warning track, the wall, gone, with his filled nasal cavity voice. Some of the things that will be new to this year's derby, it will no longer last four hours, which is great. And instead of players getting a set number of attempts to jack up some dingers, the event is now like an NCAA tournament bracket with five-minute timed rounds. But it doesn't end there. Players can earn up to an additional 90 seconds if they hit two home runs further than 420 feet or one that goes further than 475 feet. So... It's kind of like one of those old arcade racing games where you only start with 15 seconds, but then get extra time for each checkpoint you passed. Not a bad idea, MLB. Not too shabby at all. Making it more like a video game. So let's see, some notable sluggers who won't be in attendance, well... Uh, To start with, neither the number one or the number two home run leaders so far this season will be playing. John Carlos Stanton is out hurt, and Bryce Harper is out because his favorite pitcher, his dad, is also hurt. That is so sweet. But the number three guy, Albert Pulhos from the VV Angels Angels, will be at the plate alongside highly touted rookies Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. So let's hope for this great event to bring back the glory of yesteryear's greats. If nothing else, well, we won't have to turn the volume off as Berman won't have enough time to make up some crazy nickname. And depending on what kind of TV you have, you may have to adjust the settings so you can watch the whole thing in black and white. Call me crazy here, but I think there's another way we can make the Home Run Derby even more exciting. If the only pitch thrown to the guys in their five minutes were knuckleballs. That's right, a knuckleball, a pitch so shrouded in mystery that even the few that master it can't always predict what the dancing ball will do next. But with so few guys able to throw it, how would they use it in the derby? Which they never actually will, by the way, but let's, 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 let's think this thought out and he- hear me out. Engineering students at the University of Toronto have been working hard to try and mimic the knuckleball thrown by Blue Jays pitcher R.A. Dickey with a custom machine. In a video filmed by the Toronto Star, student Alex Gordon said they wanted to create a machine where they could control everything, so they could get a knuckleball to be the exact same every time. Well, what makes the knuckleball such a tough pitch to hit? It is thrown with very little spin compared to a fastball, which is designed to pick up speed as it twirls through the air. The lack of spin allows the ball to move in two or more directions as the air passes over the seams, causing it to drift left, right, down, hey, even up in flight. People who have studied knuckleballs in the past have concluded that the factors of humidity, temperature, sunlight, absolutely everything 
has an impact on these beats, making them hard to throw and even harder to predict. Many knuckleball pitchers, such as ex-Red Sox pitcher Tim Wakefield, have personal catchers that specialize and often use women's softball gloves to help them control the erratic deliveries. So, how do batters get used to hitting a knuckleball? Until now, live pitching was the only way as pitching machines just couldn't recreate the pitch. But a custom R.A. Dickey machine could solve all of that. While Alex Gordon managed to create a machine that can reliably throw a quality knuckleball, they couldn't quite get it to break exactly as they hoped every time. Professor David Sinton, who led the project, summed it up by saying, The mystery of the knuckleball prevailed over our efforts. To wrap up our coverage of the Midsummer Classic, which technically begins tonight, we'll spend a bit of time talking about any baseball fan's favorite part of this week's activities. Cincinnati will be buzzing with excitement as baseball's best come to town to put on one heck of an exhibition game and see which one of them can hit the most home runs in the newly revamped Home Run Derby, which, unfortunately, as we just mentioned, won't include any knuckleballs. But probably, fans' most favorite thing to do is express their extreme displeasure at which players did not make the All-Star game, and complain about the few who did but shouldn't have. Hello, Omar. So, without further ado, here is Rounding Third's first ever All-Star snub list. Number one, Clayton Kershaw. Last year's NL MVP, Cy Young, and baddest pitcher on the planet, is conspicuously absent from this year's All-Star roster, despite leading in strikeouts and carrying excellent numbers in all major categories, like ERA and walks per inning. The only category where he is seemingly struggling is in the wins and loss record, and giving the number just stated, eh, I don't think it's his fault that he's lacking in the W's. Not the squiggly W's either. <laughs> just W's and wins. Get it together, Besselman. But guys, uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw, I've got to add an addendum to that little story. Clayton Kershaw was added to the All-Star game today, replacing the squiggly W's, Max Scherzer, who is pitching today and has chosen to not pitch in the All-Star game. So Clayton, we will likely now remove you from our list. But congratulations for getting a story about you this week, buddy. Number two, Alex Rodriguez. Yes, I said it. The most hated man in baseball is a snub this year. Granted, he's not leading the league in any categories except booze, but that doesn't diminish the fact that the man did not play baseball for more than a year, and he's still batting about 280 and putting up great power numbers, especially for a guy that has been playing since 1994. Just think about for that for a second, and think how old you were then. Now, he's snubbed by making the All-Star ballot, but only as a designated hitter rather than a position player. Personally, I think he deserves to be voted in above the likes of any of the 8,000 Kansas City players who shouldn't even be going. Plus, the man is a walking headline. He would give the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game itself an immediate tabloid-type saga. Oh, and how can we forget that he recently got his 3,000th hit, which was a home run. Let's add him to the home run derby. Come on, people. Number three, Kansas City Royals get the award for the player who shouldn't be here. Yes, I'm giving it to the whole team and, by extension, their fan base. 
On one hand, it's awesome that their fans got behind their team, broke open the ballot box, and inserted five position players to the game, including four starters and Mike Moustakis as the final player to the roster. But seriously, come on, Royals fans! You can't possibly have the best players in the league at four positions. I'm inclined to give you Escobar at shortstop and Kane in the outfield as worthy of those votes, but how did you in good conscience try to vote in your whole team? For shame, Royals, for shame! Or not for shame, that is the question. I tried to get my entire office to vote for Ben Roethlisberger at first base, but apparently, hmm, even the flawed voting system was smart enough to catch on to my shenanigans. Well, folks, people of Rounding Third, people of the world, people of America, apparently Ariana Grande hates us all, but I want you to know that our episode has come to an end. I can't thank you enough for joining us. We are excited to be back. Guess what? We'll be back next week and the week after and every week until the end of the season. Oh, but ladies and gentlemen, here's the exciting part. Next week, you may get a little bit more of the David A. Robbins sweet, succulent voice coming to your earpipes. Jeff Besselman, this guy, is going to be out of town on business, so I'm going to record a little bit, but David Robbins may be your main host, and folks, he's going to bring the thunder. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all for tonight. Thank you once again. Good night! The Rounding Third Podcast is brought to you by writer and producer David A. Robbins. Production in our New York studio is directed by Maggie Robbins-Besselman. Contributing writers on this week's episode of Rounding Third were Eric Purdy, Tom Smith, and Clayton Lawson. The Rounding Third theme song is used with permission from John Ross. Follow us on Twitter at RTPod, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rounding Third Pod, or email us at RoundingThirdPod at gmail.com. The Rounding Third Podcast is available in the iTunes Store. See our Facebook page for a link to subscribe. All materials published on the Rounding Third Podcast are subject to copyright, and all rights are reserved by their respective owners. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody out there, I am your host, Jeff Besselman. Thank you for joining me. And oh yes, we look forward to filling your mind with more baseball facts next week.